0: Canaan, it's all about Jesus. It's not about religion, it's about relationships.
1: Where beginners are welcome. Where forgiveness is offered.
0: Where hope is alive. And it's okay to not be okay. Well, hello everyone. Thank you for joining in again this week on Canaan STL Podcast. This is Pastor Daniel. I'm here along with uh, Pastor Martin Winslow and a very special guest today. We have Rob Phillips with us from the Missouri Baptist Convention. Uh, Rob directs ministry support and apologetics for the MBC. He is responsible for the convention's messaging, web, video, and graphic services, live event support, technology, and promotion of such things as the cooperative program and the annual Missouri Missions offering. But Rob also speaks uh, in a lot of different Missouri Baptist churches and even beyond Missouri and leads conferences on Christian apologetics, and he directs the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network. Rob's the author of nine books, including The Apologist Toolkit, What Every Christian Should Know About the Trinity, and most recently, Jesus Before Bethlehem, What Every Christian Should Know About the Angel of the Lord. And then his 10th book, which is What Every Christian Should Know About Satan, is due from High Street Press later this year. So Rob, we are just so glad to have you with us today. And um, just by way of greeting, want you just share a little bit of greeting with our people and uh, just so they can meet you?
1: Yeah, well, I'm, so delighted to have the opportunity to be on this podcast. And uh, Daniel and Martin, I've gotten to know you over the last few years and really appreciate you and your ministry and uh, appreciate the ministry of your church. Uh, All of us at the Missouri Baptist Convention uh, know of you, appreciate you, and are are so grateful for your faithfulness. Amen.
2: Rob, thanks for joining us tonight. I remember the The first time I met you a few years back, um, you and I were both speaking at a conference uh, on Jehovah's Witnesses, doing different topics. And I've always really enjoyed hearing what you've had to say. I've read three of your books and I just wanna tell you, I read Jesus Before Bethlehem, What Every Christian Should Know About the Angel of the Lord. I just finished reading that a few weeks ago, loved it. And I've not seen a work out there like that. And it was very interesting. This year I'm teaching a group of uh, ninth graders, the Old Testament. And we keep seeing the angel of the Lord popping up. And so we get to talk about the divine logos and, and the second person of the Trinity. And your book has been most helpful. So just appreciate you uh, serving Missouri Baptist, doing the great work of pointing out these important theological issues. And I'm just grateful you're on the, the podcast today. So Amen.
0: thank you. Amen. You know, uh, Rob, our men's ministry has actually done a Bible study using two of your books. Uh, we did a study through your book, What Every Christian Should Know About Islam. And then we also did the one on what every Christian should know about same sex, um, issues. I don't remember the exact title, same sex. Was it same sex issues or uh, attraction, same sex attraction. Yep. Yeah. And a very, very well done, very biblically, just biblically solid, but also very, um, conscious of the times we're in. So uh, our men really, really got a lot out of both of those. So yeah, thank you for your ministry to us. We really appreciate you. Thank you.
2: Yeah. And Rob, before we get into the, um, you know, the meat of what we're going to talk about today, which is the exclusivity of Christ. Daniel did a, a great job of taking John chapter 14 verses one through six and talking about, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. He did a great job with that text this past week. Um, just tell our listeners about, you know, how did you get involved in apologetics Um, and why this is important for Missouri Baptists today?
1: Well, I, uh, Was uh, The Lord saved me as an adult, so I came to the Lord in my mid-20s, and my baptism into apologetics uh, really was rather sudden and humiliating. Um, Not long after the Lord saved me, on a bright, sunny Saturday morning, my doorbell rang, and when I opened the front door, there were two ladies from the local kingdom hall. Oh, boy. And I invited them both to come in. We sat down in the living room and had the most pleasant conversation for about a minute and a half. (laughs) Uh, And then they proceeded to tear me up one side and down the other, asking questions I couldn't answer, making statements I didn't know how to counter. Mm. And um, it it just went quickly downhill. And uh, finally, when I thought it couldn't get any worse, we got on the subject of the deity of Christ. And the older lady, who was kind of taking the lead and training the younger one, said, well, I bet you believe in the deity of Christ, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. And I'll never forget, she leaned forward and tapped on my Bible with her finger and said, you show me in here where Jesus ever says, I am God. And of course that's a bit of a trick question. You'd be hard-pressed to find an English translation of the scripture that says that, but uh, the New Testament is overflowing with evidence of the deity of Christ. Jesus claimed the divine name, the I am for himself. He received worship which only God can do. He forgave sins which only God can do. He claimed equality with the Father. Uh, he knew things that only God knows and did things only God can do. And then we have the further testament of the uh, the other writers. Uh, Matthew declares the deity of Christ. So does Mark. So does Luke. So does John. So does Paul. So does Peter. So does the writer of Hebrews. So does Jude. And so on. And so I kind of hemmed and hawed. didn't really know where to go with that for a while. And after what seemed like a very, very long time, but was probably just a few seconds, uh, the two ladies stood up, and the older of the two ladies said, "Well, I'll tell you what. We'll come back another time when you're better prepared."
2: Mm.
1: Wow! Wow! And man, that ruined my that ruined my week. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I knew there was something wrong in what they were proclaiming and teaching, but I didn't know how to defend the Christian faith there. And so that was a painful but very valuable lesson uh, the Lord gave me about the importance of knowing what we believe and why we believe it. And uh, that sort of set me off on, on a journey to better understand the Christian faith and to know how to engage others in that. And so, you know, Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, that all of us as followers of Jesus should be ready at all times to give a reason for the hope that is within us. Right. And uh, actually, some translations talk about ready to give a defense. And that English word defense comes from the Greek apologia, which is where we get the term apologetics, which simply means offering a reasonable defense of the Christian faith.
0: Amen. Thank you
1: for defining that. You know, some of our listeners
0: uh, are new to this faith, and so they may not be familiar with the term apologetics yet. So thank you, Rob, for defining that term. So um let's let's kind of go into the, the meat of today, Rob, and that is talking about the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. And so uh, and we define that this past Sunday as you know meaning that only Jesus is the one who can save us. And there's no other there's no other way. There's no other savior, there's no other path that leads to the Lord. It's only through Jesus that we're saved, and based on John 14 6, where Jesus Himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except. Through me, so um, from your in your vantage point, dealing with a lot of apologetics and being in a lot of different churches, a lot of different environments. What are some reasons today that that you see that exclusivity of Christ is becoming less and less of a popular view among even evangelicals?
1: Yeah, I, I thought about that question, and I, I think there's one overarching reason for that, and, and that is, to me, uh, the church is increasingly seeking the world's acceptance and approval. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want the gospel to be relevant, and it is relevant to all people in all generations, but the way we've defined that is, uh, we want to make the gospel more relevant by having the church look a lot like the world and the culture Mm -hmm. around us. And, uh, you know, in an age when everybody's supposed to get a participation trophy, uh, we don't want to be left out. And so I think there is an effort by the church to, uh, if we look more like the world around us, if we sound more like the culture, if we act more like the culture, uh, then then maybe uh, they'll come to church and hear the gospel and, and receive it. So I think that's an overarching reason, but I think there are several other reasons beneath that that sort of serve as, as pillars to prop that up. Uh, and I think one of those is just an, an absence of the teaching of sound doctrine in our churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we find that a lot of our churches, Southern Baptist churches, Missouri Baptist churches, are the, are the breeding grounds for counterfeit forms of Christianity, uh, th- that says a lot uh, about the absence of the teaching of sound doctrine in our churches. Um, uh, Ligonier Ministries... Every two years, does a study with Lifeway to sort of take the theological temperature of our churches. And their 2020 study, which came out last fall, had a lot of interesting findings. But one of them was that in this study, 65% of people who identified as evangelical agreed with this statement Jesus is the first and greatest creation of God. Wow. 65% wow. of people who identified as evangelicals, that was a higher percent than the general U.S. adult population mm. agreed with that. And that just blew my mind. And so I think it's some evidence that we're not doing a very good job in our churches of teaching the non-negotiables of the Christian Definitely. faith. That's true. But then I think another pillar maybe that supports that is that there's sort of a leaning back from the culture rather than 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 the church being salt and light and leaning into the culture with the truth of the gospel um, we're giving ground on on different uh things uh relativism uh is is rampant uh you know you have your truth and and I have mine um the um, you know, the, uh, the 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 church is, is uh not teaching the exclusivity of Christ. We are uh wanting to be more inclusive, uh, which means that what we're seeing is a lot of our evangelical churches uh embracing things that God condemns and yep. condemning things that God tells us we should celebrate. Right. And uh so we're leaning back. From the culture rather than leaning in. And I think a a third pillar is the fear of men. Mm. Uh, We live in angry times. Uh, Identity politics and social media certainly contribute to that. Uh, But there is a real fear. It's not an imagined fear, uh, but a real fear that if you stand for the truth, you're going to be labeled a racist, a homophobe, a neanderthal or a religious bigot Uh, i was just reading in the wall street journal yesterday about jack phillips the cake baker in colorado who who had to take his case all the way to the supreme court he's back in court again uh, because a uh, being sued by a transgender person because he refused to bake a cake celebrating that person's transition from male to female. So he, he's back in court again. And if I remember right, the journal article said he has lost 40% of his business, mm. um, since all of this began. Yes. And, oh. uh, there are just, there is a real cost, um, for standing in the truth. And so it uh, there's a, a fear of men, and that's understandable, but I do think in some ways that keeps us at times from standing in the truth. Yeah.
2: So, so what you're trying to tell us is, Rob, that following Jesus today is easy, right? That's what you're trying <laughs> to tell us?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, sure, it sure makes you greatly appreciate what you read about in the Gospels and in the book of, of Acts. You know, Jesus... Right told his followers, the world hates me, and it's going to hate you as well. And, uh, of course, I'm, I'm older than both of you guys, but uh, I grew up in an age when, you know, nearly everybody professed Christianity, and you could talk openly about your faith, and that's just not true anymore. That's right. And there are real costs to be paid for people who do stand uh, in their truth and, and stand for, for what God says is right and stand against what God says is wrong. That's right.
0: Yeah. Matthew 7, Jesus himself says, narrow is the way and difficult the path that leads to life. Very few find it. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to follow Jesus. Well, well, Robin, your apologetics ministry. How how often have you encountered um, pushback to the exclusivity of Christ? And how have you addressed that?
1: Yeah. Well, I certainly um, encounter that from time to time. There'll be people who will post comments on social media, or a blog, or who might come to a, an apologetics event and raise questions. But I, I've really kind of tried to focus um, the ministry the Lord has given me on the local church, and particularly Missouri Baptist churches. And so the pushback I get, or at least the questioning I get, uh, comes from our own folks, mm. who's, who are saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm hearing this out there. Um, and uh, uh, it, it kind of makes sense to me. So uh, how do I understand this and how do I respond, uh, to that? So uh, a lot of the focus that I'll just have is, is uh, trying to encourage uh, people in our Missouri Baptist churches that way. And, and really responding to it is to sort of build a case as you did on Sunday, uh, for the exclusivity of Christ. And, uh, I, I typically, um, would, you know, if, if they ask, um, uh, you know why is jesus the only way or why do you believe jesus is the only way uh my response would go something like this well uh consider the evidence you know first of all uh jesus is the only way because jesus said it uh as you mentioned john chapter 14 he couldn't be any clearer he was He was preparing his disciples for what laid ahead, and he was trying to be an encouragement to them. He knew they were going to face opposition, but he made it very clear that that he had come on a divine rescue mission uh, to seek and to save the lost, and that he and only he could do it. And uh, so it wasn't a message to push people away. It was a message to invite people in to the only path of salvation. Uh, right. Available to us, you know. In other places, Jesus declared that His words are life; uh, that He is uh, the door; that He's the resurrection and the life; that He's the bread of life. And in my favorite passage of Scripture, John five twenty four, Jesus gives the qualifications for everlasting life: the one who hears His word and believes Him who sent Him has everlasting life. Everlasting life isn't a future hope we might get out there. It's something we realize here and now because our lives are attached to the eternal life of Christ. So uh, if you just read the words of Jesus, uh, you cannot come to any other conclusion that Jesus declares himself to be our only hope. But Jesus isn't the only one. We see um, the Father uh, sending Jesus to be the Savior of the world. Not a Savior, not one good way, not the best way, uh, but as the unique, distinct Savior of the world. Uh, the Holy Spirit confirms that in His ministry with Jesus as His advocate. But not only that, but Paul declares it. He says in 1 Timothy 2 5 that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ, Jesus. And there uh, we see as a mediator, Jesus can mediate for God and man because he's both. Hmm. He's both God and he's man. And then Paul singles out in Acts 13, Jesus as the savior uh, when he's speaking to the church in Antioch. And in Philippians chapter two, that great uh, hymn, to Christ, hmm. uh, he makes it clear that Jesus is the only man whom God has exalted to the highest place. That that He was and is God, and that He didn't hold on to His privileged position at the Father's right hand, hmm. but He voluntarily set it aside temporarily to add sinless humanity to His deity by the miracle of the vir- virgin birth, and because of His sinless life and his sacrificial and substitutionary death on the cross, and his physical resurrection from the dead, uh, we can be brought back into a right relationship with God. So Paul says it, uh, John says it, 1 John 2, 2, that Jesus is the only sacrifice for sins. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says it in Hebrews 2, that, that Jesus identifies with us, uh, uh, deity identifies with us in, in his humanity, and he came... And he conquered Satan's sin and death for us. And then Peter says, you know, in Acts 4.12, that uh, his is the only name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Right. And uh, in John 6, when Jesus is performing these miracles and he's feeding people, and then he, he kind of stops doing a dinner, dinner and a show for everybody, and he demands their obedience, people are walking away and leaving him. And he asks his disciples, are you going to walk away too? You know, and Peter says, no, we can't. You have the words of eternal life. Mm -hmm. And so there's abundant evidence as you read through the New Testament, uh, not only that Jesus declared uh, to be the way, the truth, and the life, but his followers and the eyewitnesses of the life of Christ said, this is the guy. This is the only hope that we have. This is God who's come in human flesh to rescue us from our sins. Amen.
2: Those are are some great, great verses uh, that you shared, you know, Acts chapter four, verse 12, no other name given among men whereby you must be saved, right? It's Jesus alone. And, you know, for our listeners uh, today, you know, um, that's a great list if they want to, you know, if you guys want to go back and, and listen to those again. John 14, of course, verse 6, uh, 1 John 2, 2. He listed a lot of great scriptures there to remind us of the exclusive exclusivity of Jesus. But for our listeners, is there are there any sources like helpful resources you might know of that would help our people if they want to go more in depth? You know, a lot of a lot of our folks, you know, they've uh, you know, they may have family members who are you know, got a Muslim background, or maybe they're Mormons, or maybe they're in a cult or a different world religion. Is there anything you can point to that might help them?
1: Yeah, there are, are several um, books I might recommend that are, um, are written uh, primarily for you know pastors and laypersons. that are pretty pretty good and easy to understand. Um, one of them is uh, called Putting Jesus in His Place. And that's by Robert Bowman and Ed uh, Kamiszewski. Another is the Historical Jesus by Gary Habermas. Another is the Historical Jesus of the Gospels by Craig Keener. Uh, Jesus and the Eyewitnesses by Richard Bauckham, and uh, one of my favorites, The Man. Christ Jesus by Bruce Ware. Uh, Bruce there focuses on the humanity of Christ, the the deity that resides in human skin. And so all of those books are are excellent uh, walks through the scriptures that not only talk about the deity of Christ, but the humanity of Christ, that Jesus is unique and that he is the only only person uh, with two natures fully divine nature, and a fully human nature. And because of that, we can have confidence that when he says, I'm the way, the true, and the life, uh, we can believe that we can trust in him. Uh, One other source I I just happened to notice a few days ago, uh, Mm thegospelcoalition.org. You could go to that website, and you can search exclusivity of Christ. And there are online messages, there are blog posts and other resources there. So really any and all of those I think would be excellent resources if you really want to dig into the subject a little deeper. Amen. That's
0: awesome. So Rob, you, you earlier um, in the podcast, you talked about the, when you were in your mid twenties, these two ladies from Jehovah's witness came and you said they, the older lady left and said, we'll come back when you're better prepared. So I, Kind of left us
1: hanging. Did they ever come back? <laughs> they actually did come back a few weeks later. And uh, we kind of went back and, and forth. And uh, they were they were not convinced uh, of the deity of Christ. And uh, I obviously was not convinced there. But we did have a, uh, we had a civil and respectful conversation and, and, and parted, parted company. One of the things about that event that was so impactful to me was the younger lady who was being trained by the older had been a member of our Southern Baptist church at one time. Wow. And uh, when I got a chance to ask her at some point, why, why, did, why did you leave? Why did you make such a dramatic change from an evangelical Christian church to the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society? She gave a very interesting response. She said, you know what? The watched I had questions and the watchtower had answers.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, that was very convicting that our, our local church, I'm sure she asked some, some of those questions to our pastor and staff, and we didn't provide good, sound, biblically faithful responses. So she went somewhere else yep. to seek her answers. Shame on us. Yeah, I read
0: something similar in um, Steve Jobs' biography. Maybe, I think his biography, yeah. Yeah, he had an encounter with the a, a pastor with his question about the problem of evil, and he got a unsatisfactory answer, and so he bailed on the whole concept of Christianity. Um, what that, just some devastating, just some devastating facts out there like that. We must be ready. Um, yeah.
1: Well, and I had heard, uh, I had read about um, Mahatma Gandhi, who, when he was a fairly young man, had attended a Christian service. And was was quite interested in uh, in Jesus and in the gospel message, but because of his ethnicity, was sort of invited not to stay. And, and and just think about what a difference it would have made if he had been warmly welcomed and discipled in the Amen. Christian faith. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So, how what we believe and how we live those beliefs out really matters. Really does. Sure does. Well, Rob, I just uh, I really appreciate your time with us today. And uh, Martin, do you have any parting questions or words you want to share or or ask before we?
2: No, I just I, I just want to reiterate too that we just appreciate you as uh, you know Canaan Baptist Church appreciates you know the work you do. I know you travel all around the state of Missouri, mm-hmm. and you know your writings are excellent um, on sanctification and justification and just all the different things you do. I know the apologist toolkit has been very helpful as well. Um, and we just, we appreciate you taking the time, Rob. We know you're busy uh, just to join us today. And we'd
1: love to have you up sometime as well to share with our people.
0: Yep, absolutely. I,
1: I would love to do that. Thank you for uh, thinking of me for your podcast and inviting me to, to to pitch in. And I appreciate what you guys are doing. You are establishing a sound Foundation of biblical truth. And boy, that just pays dividends going forward. So thank you for your ministry.
0: Amen. Rob, if any of our listeners want to maybe check out some of your books,
1: where would they be able to access those? Uh, you could go to two places. One is uh, our Missouri Baptist Convention website, mobaptist.org, and then uh, search for apologetics, and the, the books would be listed there. Uh, or you could go to my blog, which is Once. Delivered.net. That's all one word, once delivered.net.
0: Outstanding. Yeah. So for our listeners, uh, if you're looking for some good books to read, especially in the area of apologetics, such a great resource. Uh, so check out those two sites, once delivered.net and mobaptist.org. And uh, you'll see Rob's books there. Cannot recommend them highly enough. Good stuff. All right. Well, again, thank you, Rob, for being with us. Pastor Martin, thanks as always. And uh, everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this installment of the Canaan STL podcast. And we will talk to you again next week. Have a great week. God bless.